Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Emmy Brandstrom, the Marketing Director at Steeleye. Steeleye is a financial services compliance technology and data analytics provider. Prior to Steeleye, Emmy was the co-head of marketing and corporate communications for Cinema Group. She is here today to share her story and her learns along the way. So welcome, Emmy. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Nadia. It's great to be here. So why don't you open up and tell us a bit more about your role at Steeleye and what it entails? Absolutely. All right. Well, I've been with Steeleye for nearly two years now. So I joined in May 20, 2019. I cannot believe we're 2021 already. I, I don't know, know where the time's crazy, gone. Yeah. yeah, so I'm coming up to my two-year anniversary and we are a, a fintech or specifically a regtech, which is regulatory technology company. So as you can imagine, I, I joined as, as one of few women when I joined two years ago when we were a small company. And we are still a small team. We're about 50 people now, but still have a disproportionate, well, I, I suppose it's proportionate to the industry, but a small amount of women compared to men. But the women we have in the company are all incredibly passionate about hiring more women and getting more people into just fintech and regtech in total. But that's obviously not my job. My job is marketing. So I look after Steelize, anything from, from marketing. We have a team of two people. So there's me and Jenny. And we do the branding, uh, all the PR activity. We manage the website, communications, and, and so on. Brilliant. It's so good to just to hear how you intro. And I love the fact that, you know, before you even go into like what your job is, you're already talking about what you're doing to try and, you know, affect the gender imbalance in a positive way. And I can hear your passion already. So it's great if we move on to just learning a bit more about Steelite and what Steelite does to disrupt the industry. And actually, more specifically, what may what drew you to Steelite? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. Steeleye is a, is a very unique company because we've entered a market uh, a little bit later than the other players. So our company is based upon regulation. And in 2018, we had a big regulation, uh, which was called MIFID II, which came out. And there were companies that prepared for years to build solutions for MIFID II. Now, Steeleye didn't rush and didn't plan several years before. But what they noticed as all of these vendors came out and all of these solutions came out, was that the market 
case ended up with like 10, 20 different solutions for individual problems. So what you as a bank or an asset manager ended up with was then 10 to 20 different vendors and contracts you had to manage. CLI is grounded in a, in a philosophy that is based around data. So there's a foundational data layer where we ingest structure on structure data and convert that into usable information. And once we've done that, we can solve all of these 10 to 20 solutions in one place. And that's the basis of everything we do. What drove me to Steeleye? It was a, we are a scale up now, I suppose, but when I joined, we were, we were a team of 20 people. Uh, I was in an interview with, with a female coworker of mine I really admired. And we just, we had a, a very informal interview, a chat, you know, it's often this a lot more informal when you join a startup, but the passion amongst the employees was very clear. And it's also a company where you feel even now that we've grown and tripled in size since I joined, every individual has uh, a voice and can speak on, you know, has their own platform. And I think all of those things became very clear. And, and that's one of the things I, one of the reasons I joined anyway. That's so important to hear that, you know, that that you know, you've got a voice. There was someone in the interview process that you really admired. I think, I think that these are the really important things that as an industry we need to take note of, especially when we're looking to grow this industry and attract different people from, from, from other backgrounds. Yes. So just learning a bit more about your background then and your career journey, I love to, to share on this podcast series an individual's career journey and some of their lessons along the way. So it'd be good to hear from you on that. Yeah, I, I never knew what I wanted to do. I've always been a generalist, i.e. good at many things, not necessarily feeling like I'm an expert at one particular thing. My brother is an engineer and he's brilliant. You know, he's so clever. I do lots of things to a, to a good enough quality for it to work. So I studied business naturally because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had a career, I was volunteering at my university during a careers evening where there was a speaker who, who was uh, uh, preparing in the room that I was setting up. And I went up to him after his speech and I said, I'm looking for a job. And he hired me for my first job in sales and marketing. And then from there, two years later, so I had two, two years at this great company. Two years later, I met someone at a drinks party and he said, we're hiring and, and you seem like a passionate person. So I went for an interview and he hired me. And then when that company was sold to NASDAQ, I then met, went to CLI. So it's been very relationship driven, I have to say. Absolutely. Yeah. That's again, really, really, really a great, a great story to be sharing because we constantly talk on this series about the power of networking and relationship building and mm. mission led businesses are about people which you know historically in financial services that isn't necessarily the first thing that would would hit someone's mind but now when we're talking about fintech and regtech and again you're talking about people you admire relationships that you've built you know there's lots of things that you're mentioning here that are really um on the emotive side of things which is great to hear and i think something that's been very important to me and it's not a you know it's never been something that is it's not an immediate thing you notice, but certainly something when you reflect later on. First interview at Steeli, two people in the room, one of them was female. Mm -hmm. That shows to me that this is a, is a workplace where women fit in. Yeah. And it was actually the same thing at my previous jobs as well. At, at all the first interviews, it has not been a case of you just meet one person or two people and they're both male, but come around, walk around the office. Here's Tina, shake her hand. Here's Anya. And, and I, I think... That is really important because, of course, we need women to join workplaces where there aren't any 
women, but in order to, you know, sub subconsciously just introducing new hires or, or, or new uh, interviewees to women will, I think, will increase the likelihood because it'll just send a message that this is a place for, for women as well as men. Mm. I think that's so powerful. And I'm really glad that you've said it as clearly as that, because mm. I really want people to be taking heed of the, the, and actually it is a little thing that you can do. I was about to say, well, maybe it's not a little thing. No, it is a little thing because it's, just you know, it's, it's something that everyone in their business can now, can, can now change because the impact is huge as, you know, mm. as you've explained. Now that kind of takes me on quite nicely to the next question. You have told me that you've had some pretty good experiences around promotion and pay. And I wanted you to share your thoughts about, around that because there's a big conversation at the moment about asking for what you want versus the responsibility of leadership being able to take you down that path and look after you. And I know that you've got some powerful things to say there. So it'd be great to hear more. Thank you, Nadia. And I, I think obviously my, my appreciation of whether I've done well so far is, is only within the context of what I know, of course. So I could be someone who's suffering from the gender pay gap like other women out there. But I think I've always felt lucky in my career that I've had managers who've always stood up for me and vouched for me. And, and I've always been torn and I've asked a lot of female mentors and friends and colleagues about this, this debate. A lot, of, a lot of people say, you know, you need to demand what you need. You need to be more bossy. And we hear this a lot. We need to be like men uh, to get equal treatment. But we do represent 50% of the population out there. So why should we need to be like them? Is there also an argument to say that the management and the leadership of companies need to consider the fact that women operate differently than men, that we underestimate our abilities or our accomplishments, whereas men, men overestimate them. Mm. It's, why should the onus be on us and not on the system? So I've had a range of, of advice. One saying, you know, with people saying, oh, I've, I always advise women to go in and say, I want 20% more, I want 50% more. I'm naturally quite a shy person and find that very difficult. But mm. I've also spoken to women who say, I've always believed that I get what I deserve. And is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. Um, so so I, there's, I think there's a solution and more, more, more systemic changes as opposed to personality driven. You need to be more aggressive. We need to stop telling women they need to be more like men and we need to start telling the system let's actually consider the differences between women and men and build the company around that instead. Um, I think that's absolutely spot on. So clear, so powerful. And I really want to quote you on that <laughs> one when we do the poster of this podcast, because um, it, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about that, that. We've got to stop telling women to change and we've got to take responsibility of our industry and, and make sure that we are welcoming, mm. make sure that we understand who's within our industry. And, and again, we've spoken about this so many times, the customer base in which we are all selling to holds 50% women. So, you know, what, what no, are we it's, doing it's, here? You know, we've got to be more, more aware. So but I, I think it's, so you recommended Invisible Women to me last week, which I'm completely obsessed with at the moment and one of the most interesting or, or just ironic quotes that stood out to me was there's a lot of positive movement in the industry and in the world which is fantastic now the Barbican Centre in London I don't know when it was whether it was 2014-18 they, uh, they decided to change all the toilets to be gender neutral 
because during all the intermissions during performances, the, the female queue became really long and the, and the male queue was obviously not long. So rather than calling it men and, and female toilets, it became uh, unisex toilets with urinal or unisex toilet with cubicles. Now, of course, what happened, because you can't just change the name, of course, what happens is the female, the old female toilets with cubicles ended up with an even longer queue of both men and women whereas only men use the one with urinals for obvious reasons. So it was harder for women to go to the toilet instead of making it easier. And that's what happens when we try to change things without thinking about how we change them or how we actually make it a, mm. you know, it's, it's just saying let's hire more women without considering, say, the language we use in applications. Isn't going to solve anything. Let's hire more women, but let's keep a nine to five. You have to be in the office every day of the week. You're not going to get more women if you continue to deploy that kind of policy, because we still know that women carry the majority of the household duties and also the majorities of the non-paid caregiving duties. So a lot of very, 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 very many things that need to happen. Just saying, let's be more, let's get more women to our, to our company isn't actually going to solve anything. And like, again, I, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, look, me as a recruiter, I, I often talk to companies about, well, they reach out to me about how can they attract more female staff. And for me, the conversation actually isn't about attracting. It's about retaining, mm. investing, supporting long term career building. And what's been really interesting to see is that there are a number of companies who are suddenly starting to be able to tick their boxes that they are they are starting to integrate women within into the, into the workforce but they're not doing some of the things that you've just said you know they are sticking to their nine to five they are saying the minute that lockdown's over everyone's in five days a week they're not considering considering that there are there are other strains on on women's lives and men's lives but but mm. women you know are the, are the the more traditional caregivers they're the ones that that are there picking up the children from school or if a child is sick they're the ones leaving a meeting hmm. and I think that what you're what you're saying here is so powerful to me because you're talking about um, an experience and a lived experience and you've spoken to people with this lived experience and therefore can can understand it and that's what I believe we need in our boardrooms lived experience to be able to really solve the problems otherwise you've got all the men and women queuing for the women's toilets <laughs> that's it no but that's that's really it and I did like international women's day last week you know choose to challenge I thought it was a very good hashtag because I suppose that's what we all need to do we need to f feel like even if it's a inconvenience or even if you might be perceived as annoying uh, send that email to challenge the the decision on flexible working or mm. you know all of these things uh, yeah. because we all we're all important for our employers and, and obviously this extends to beyond just the workplace invisible women covers you, you know the health care and 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 the data gap across uh, i mean the entirety of our lives so i think choose to challenge is a really important thing for all of us to remember mm, definitely and it in regards to your call to action, what do you think as, as an industry we could be doing more for workplace, like genuine workplace inclusion? Well, I, I think, I think we, we talk a lot about the benefits of diversity and inclusion, but maybe what we don't have enough of is how to, in practice you know, tips and tricks for how companies can make it a more inclusive workplace. So not just hiring, not just focusing on the hiring aspect, but what do women with caregiving responsibilities need in a job for it to work with their non-paid working duties? 
and that extends to uh, people from different sexual backgrounds and racial backgrounds and all sorts. That's something I haven't seen a lot of content on, I suppose, is, is you know, it's not just about your hiring processes, but what are the practical things you can do or the, the quick wins you can do to make your workplace more attractive to women that I would say. The other thing, obviously, uh, of course, is just sharing the, the books like Invisible Women. I would like to see that book read by all of every member of my family, everyone at, at Steel Eye. I mean, Steel Eye, I have to say, I mean, it's, I've, I'm very lucky, I think, because I really have a, a platform and Steel Eye is a, a, a very flexible company. And it is a very supportive company as well. So I can raise these things within the comfort of, of, of feeling very supported. Uh, and an example I've given a lot recently is I, I don't have, have kids. And one day I, I, I hope that I can have children. And I, I think I, I raised my concerns to one of our founders uh, in the pub during like one of my first three months at Steel Eye. And I said, I'm really worried about the day I decide to have a, a family because of the sacrifice that that means that I will have to make to my career. And he said, it's something along the lines of, you know, when you're ready, just do it. Your job will be here. It's just something very basic like that. But it's such a strong message for someone who's A, very new in a role and B, so worried about this future choice. And I think it's it's so important that you've raised that as well, because, you know, you're, you're not alone. Um, I, I was, you know, rolled back a couple of years. I was right there next to you, very worried about my career. I was so worried about my career that... I ran a maternity and paternity stories of fintech podcast series to, to basically to, to find out like what happens to women in fintech when, when they go off on maternity leave. What are the options? What, what's the safety net that's there? And I think me and you had a really good conversation last week just about the, the openness and honesty and the fact that, yeah, your, your boss was able to say that to you three mm. months in is, again, we cannot overestimate the power of a couple of good good choice words at a time like yeah. that yeah yeah absolutely and it's I think that's it and, and I think it's important to remember to remind people who you value and who are in your company that it's about them as people it's not about the of course their output is very important but it's their individuality that means that they're able to drive particular outcomes and results so it's about them as people and if you always think about your staff as people I think it's you can you can come you know you, you build a very happy and motivated uh, team and that's what I see across CLI anyway we're all a happy bunch of people I think that's absolutely brilliant to hear because you know in today's podcast you've spoken about happiness which for me is key honesty communication and, and actually visibility you may not have said the word visibility but but we've been around that theme quite mm. a lot within this and and actually this is this is one of the easy things to to do as a business if you want to be attracting more women this is part of the how like make sure that you know relationships are being built make sure that someone can speak their mind within an interview make sure there's someone that they admire them can relate to you know as mm. you said that walk around the office and and actually even in today's interviews where everything's virtual you can do that a similar thing to walking around the office we've done it many times for people where you just bring in different people just just for a a three minute, hello, how are you? This is what I do, looking forward to your first day. And what a difference that makes to someone's um, entire welcome pack. And I think that it is really, really important that you've mentioned all these things because mm. you're talking about lived experience and why you are still with Steel Eye today, having been 
been there for the last number of years and, and built your career there and why you joined. And it's all real things that people can take away. So it's been really, really great hearing everything that you said today. It's Thank been, so it's much. been very lovely. I, I always enjoy these conversations and you always feel like you maybe talk a bit too long or end up talking too quickly and all these kind of things. But if, um, I, I love talking about this stuff and I could probably go on for hours. So It's been absolutely brilliant. And I think the best thing for me is that whenever I introduce these pods, I always say we're here to walk the talk for change and it's about action and it's to encourage people to listen to a podcast and say, right, what can I take back to my boss? What can I now do in a business? And you've done exactly that. You are a living, breathing example of it. So thank you very much for joining me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Thank you very much. <laughs>